for me, it's been a home run in two ways, on the racetrack and also building our brand here in Australia in our business. We finished first or second every year since 05, um, which was... Uh, I knew it was fast before, and I proved it very it's, it's motor racing, you know, you can't really just look at the last race of the year. You have to look at, uh, it starts at Adelaide and it ends at Newcastle. But... From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Well, welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel. Welcome on board, Craig, again. Yes, great to have you back online with us, Tony. It's terrific to be here, yeah. I, I dropped away last week. Uh, Technology, we know what it's like one week and not so good the next. <laughs> but um, I, I had the opportunity to go down to Phillip Island, which I jumped at, to go and have a chat with uh, Garth Tanner, which will feature a, a short moment uh, on the show later on, talking about GRM and the difficulties having this year. But interesting uh, preview for this week is, of course, the amount of testing that's been going on, uh, both Queensland yesterday, as they go Queensland one day and Winter, Winter the next. The next. Yeah, um, indeed. Yes, but uh, it sounds like everybody was out in Queensland. They were indeed. Techno were there with uh, LeBrock. You had uh, Scott McLaughlin running in Todd Hazelwood's car. And then, of course, you had DJR Team Penske running their own cars along with Triple Eight, who, by all reports, are happy with the way the test has panned out. So Mark Dutton, who we heard on the show last week, talking about uh, the lack of go-fast bits they were thinking they were going to be able to try, is obviously happy with the few bits that they did get to put onto the car. Indeed, indeed. And uh, interesting, actually, that Scotty uh, got into the Hazelwood car um, under the allowance of uh, current rules, testing rules, he's allowed to do, I think, 10 laps, evaluation laps, or to assist the team. That is an ex-DJR uh, Team Penske car that Matt Stone Racing uh, own. Uh, hasn't been, wasn't run by them for a couple of years, I think. Um, it's been one that had been used. I think it had won a race or two in the past, but uh, um, it certainly would have helped uh, Todd Hazelwood, I imagine, uh, uh, getting somebody else to uh, get in the car. I think I read some comment that uh, it actually, Scotty helped as well with him. But anyway, that was yesterday. Today, um, um, Winton, and it's uh, Tickford are up there. Chas Mostert just having arrived back from his weekend debut with the Blancpain series at Paul Ricard. Um, it was another time when he was asked and invited to join a uh, BMW team in an M6 after a great debut early this year. So that was terrific for them. Have you heard any more about the testing at all, Craig? Yeah, Tony, I had a chance to speak to Tickford Racing, and uh, they had five cars at Winton with all the main game drivers and their co-drivers in attendance. They also had the Super 2 car of Tom Randall out on the track. Um, They're happy with the day, but I'd don't think they were jumping out of their skin with any great finds. They're all running on different programs, looking at different aspects of how they can improve. Um, only one small off into a tyre barrier at turn two, but it seems like it didn't affect the program at all. Um, but, well, we'll see how that proves to uh, pay out when they head up north. Interesting that so many drivers have been doing some quick trips overseas. This break is um, a, certainly a good break. It comes at a good time of year. 
because as Mark Dutton spoke to us last week about the burnout on on teams and crews, but it also has given the workshops the chance to start doing some tweaking and refinement because the middle period last year was a period where we saw some uh, you know some really important steps in the championship and and what was looking like was going to set it up for Scott McLaughlin. Now, perhaps he's pulled that out a little bit earlier this year than he did last year, but they are interesting races. They're up in the top end where the weather is much better, and that will, as we come closer to them, of course, give us a chance to talk about how these races are going to play in the championship. And when you consider Hidden Valley, 20 years old, Townsville, 10 years old, these races are so well established on the calendar and uh, well established with support from people down south wanting to uh, go on a holiday up north. And the people up north wanting to go and just watch some motor racing because uh, there's nothing like having some live stuff on your doorstep. Mm. Speaking of live stuff, uh, we know that uh, Earl Bamber didn't make it back for this test. I imagine that the others, uh, Steve Richards, would have been uh, going to have a run with uh, Craig Lowndes and uh, Paul Dumbrell possibly, I don't know, but haven't heard whether he was in with uh, uh, his teammate in Jamie Wincup, their sixth or seventh year together. But Earl Bamber um, has just uh, been announced that he'll be driving with a countryman of his um, in Brenton uh, Grove, uh, son of Steve Grove, and they own an X888 uh, car. Uh, running in the Super 2 as well as the main game. So he'll be making his debut, not his Bathurst debut, because he did run in a Porsche in the 12-hour. I think he's done it a couple of times. And uh, so he'll be uh, at Bathurst in both the uh, 250k race and also the 1,000k with uh, Shane Van Gisbergen. Now, I didn't get a chance to talk to Shane. He was a bit... uh, off weather or something or other last weekend but um anyway coming up after the break just uh, been joined by Chaz Mostert who is post Pont uh, uh, Paul Ricard Blancpain his debut in Europe and uh, just after he's had their first uh, real own test day at Winton Adam Debore driving as Chaz and he head back from Winton today Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, We were able to beat the two levels to the boys and uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. And welcome back to Inside Supercars. We're joined fresh off the plains of Vanalla and Winton and fresh off a plane, Chas Mostert from Europe. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, wonderful for you to make it back. Um, obviously uh, hard in for a day of testing, one of very few in your year, but let's just talk about the weekend. You're at the Blancpain Series at Paul Ricard, driving for a new team. Yeah, look, it was uh, an amazing experience. I got to drive with um, Row Racing over there, which was which was really cool. So, um, yeah, teamed up with some of my BMW teammates that I've been uh, at a few rounds now and places with Macau with um, some of the guys I drove with on the weekend. So that was Really cool, and obviously first time racing in Europe was just a big eye-opener experience. So, um, Blancpain GT Series with 55 cars on the grid, all GT3 cars were 
super excited to be part of the field. And, um, yeah, we were, we were running six and, um, yeah, ended up getting a late penalty in the race and ended end up 11. So still wasn't a too bad a result. Given that it's a track, I mean, you've driven the uh, M6 now on, is it just the three tracks of Macau, uh, Bathurst and Paul Ricard? Are those the three? No, I did uh, the Asian Le Mans series at the end of last year and uh, three rounds of that last year. So getting to, to know the M6 well enough now to, to try and get the most out of it. But, you know, learning a new track is extremely hard in, in small practice sessions. So when I was in Paul Ricard, I think I had before qualifying probably about... Uh, 15 laps, 16 so laps many. around there. So no, yeah. not, not a lot to get your head around. And, um, so yeah, by the time we qualifying, we're all around. That, that's all, yeah, all the experience I had there. Did you find uh, racing in Europe uh, alien or did you find most of it sort of worked the same as what you've grown up with? Uh, just, the, you know, the category rules and, and um, we're a fair bit different than what we have here in uh, Australia. So trying to learn the full course yellow rule and stuff like that was quite tricky and um, you know, just the, just the stuff you get away with there and the stuff you don't is a, is a fair bit different than back home. That was probably the hardest thing to get the head around a bit. But um, as a racing side of thing, I think Europeans race just as hard as what do we do here in Australia. They're, everyone's out there to beat the other guy. And, uh, you know, nothing really, it, it's, um, nothing really caught me off guard when I was over there with that kind of stuff. And, of course, you've got sitting beside you, you're travelling with a man who's had quite a bit, Adam DeBora, your engineer for the last few years in supercars. He's also spent quite a bit of time in Europe. Yeah, he's spent a bit of time over there making cars go quick. He's also decides every time I do GT3 now here at the 12 hour, he decides to go with a rival brand and they try and beat me on the weekend. So when we are working together, he's out there trying to beat me. And he also, I think he... Ends up winning the Phillip, on the weekend at Phillip Island with GT3. So he's he's, uh, he's keeping himself sharp. I'm trying to keep myself sharp. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just good to do some different things every now and then. It just kind of widens your experience level and, and keeps, you, keeps you motivated to keep going forward. Now, you had a crisp day at Winton today, but obviously it was at least a, a full day of testing. Yeah, it was so cold this morning. It was really, really crazy, but... Yeah, cool, cool test day today. Um, yeah, it obviously just went through our plan for the day, and we'll just have to see if what we learned today we can carry it over to Darwin and have a good one. Looking uh, first of all um, at the the test today, um, you're, there's been a change around within Tickford on who's paired with who, and I'm sorry I've missed out on who you've now got for this year. Are we co-drivers or with... Yes, co-drivers. Oh, co-drivers, yeah. So this year I've got James Moffat, which is pretty exciting. He's obviously... Right. ...come off a, you know, a nice long campaign as a main series driver. So he's nice and sharp, knows what to expect. And, um, you know, he's really quick as well. So, yeah, really looking forward to, to pairing up with the, the Pro Tech Giro Cup with him and seeing if we can have the same success we had last year when we won it. So that's obviously the goal heading forward for the rest of this year. Okay, and um, was he there today for the test? Yeah, he did quite a few laps today, obviously trying to get his head around um, a different built car than where he has come from, GRM and stuff like that. So, um, you know, every run he got out there, he went faster and faster. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, I thought he did quite an impressive time. So, um, you know, come the Enduros, if we both can get the car to our liking and by the sound of it, we like the similar things. You know, there's no reason why we can't have a have a good campaign. Chaz, and a little birdie told me someone uh, managed to get in the tyre bundle in the turn two at uh, at um, Winton today. Uh, you want to tell me who that was? Um, I'm not too sure, mate. There was actually a few little races out there today, but 
hey, look, uh, you, you have to be there to see it. I'm not going to dob anyone in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Chaz, um, given that your debrief's tomorrow, uh, and I'm not trying to preempt it, but you feel, and, and you can get Adam and Noddy's head, that it was a worthwhile, you, you got firm, definite directions from today? Um, look, it's like, like I said, it's, it's pretty tricky um, to get the full reading off, off today, but you know, we tried a lot of things, and there's a, 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 more the feeling in some things felt like they were better um, in the direction I think we need to go. But, but Darwin's going to be the real test. There's the fast guys are going to be there, obviously. Um, there's no mucking around. There's the scorecard doesn't lie there. But I, I'm just excited to go to Darwin after this test day. Obviously, he cried for a test day all year. We tried the stuff we wanted to try. Um, I just hope that, that the stuff we're going to try at the, probably Darwin is... is the direction we need to go forward so um yeah it's probably the first round um since probably adelaide i'm very excited to go to so um we'll just see how how it all pans out all right wonderful and of course after townsville you've got uh, after darwin you've got townsville um what about overseas when's your next uh, gt call up yeah i still believe that my next one's going to be uh the petit le mans um between bathurst and gold coast so That'd be pretty exciting. I actually get to go in a GTE car with the M8, so it's going to be a little bit more of an upgrade and um, see how that goes for the first time. So, yeah, got a 53-week period going on there. Um, but, yeah, hopefully I can uh, dodge the jet lag like I've done now. All right. And what licence do you race under uh, in the Blanc Pain series? Like what categorisation? Yes. Uh, I believe it's gold, so... Right, okay. Yeah, I'm not too sure how it all pans out and works together, but, yeah, we'll just have to see uh, see how they run them races. Well, enjoy your next sleep, because it'll probably be a good one, and enjoy uh, Darwin. Um, I uh, look forward to watching and seeing how the results from that one turn out. So thanks very much, Jazz, for joining us post-Blanc-Plain uh, Paul Ricard and post-Test at Winton. Thank you, Jazz. Thanks, guys. We're here with Garth Tander at Phillip Island for his GT uh, driving this weekend. Just want to talk to him about his year with back with GRM, and I know he's enjoying many parts of it, but at the moment not enjoying the earlier speed you had this year. So there's my ideas on what's going on. Oh, look, I think it's a function of just how competitive the series is, because um, if you think if you speak to quite a few teams up and down pit lane they're probably not as happy with their consistency as they would like, I mean you can only look, even look at the Red Bull cars, they're probably not as happy with their consistency as they'd like and um, we're no different and that's as a result of just how competitive the championship is everyone's looking for that that little edge and that little bit of competitive advantage and um, that forces you to do testing at race meetings just because of the restrictions around the series and uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Our car's generally better on sort of street circuit type Which is an historical thing also with GRM. Almost. Yeah, probably a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, but, you know, also for us, you know, we still haven't had any consistency. Like last year, obviously, it was a new, new team for me. We built the Commodores very late. Um, and the 17 Dunlop tyre was very different to the, anything they've had before. Then we go into 18, different cars again, different teammate, and back on a different tyre again. So two years in a row, we've suffered from quite heavy changes, uh, regulation changes around us. Uh, and for us, obviously, two different uh, teammates as well. So we haven't had to be able to get some consistency going within the, within the rule set and the, and the team, team as well. Do you think some of it's track related? I mean, yeah, we've come across, you know, four or five very different sort of tracks. 
Uh, yeah, probably. I think uh, our car at Adelaide was absolutely fantastic. Very, very, very good. Our car um, at the Grand Prix actually wasn't too bad. Um, but we probably didn't get the car exactly right for Phillip Island. Um, and our car in the races at Winton was fantastic, but not in qualifying. So um, it's hard to put your finger on it because we qualified easily inside the top 10 at, at Adelaide. Um, but we went to Perth and we were, you know, up the back. So, yep. um, you and know. you've traditionally been very good there. Yeah, it's just, it's just like I said, it's super competitive, different yep. qualifying formats, different all sorts of things, a lot of different things this year. Okay. You've got a test coming up? Uh, yeah, we test uh, Tuesday after this GT weekend, yeah. Right, okay. Um, and will you be doing that? Uh, I'm, I'm not certain who your co-driver is yet. Uh, I don't think any of the co-drivers will be at this test, so... Um, this is a speed test. Just, just, yeah, I mean, for us, the Eastern Creek pre-season test was... You know, it was a wipeout because we had front splitter issues and we spent all day getting on top of that. Um, so really, this is our first chance chance to, to play with the ZB. That splitter issue was a result, really, of um, mounting methods and uh, different style in which that was done historically, wasn't it? Uh, look, I think there was a combination of a lot of little things that led up to the failures. Um, I think one of the big problems was that the late delivery of the of the mould from Triple Eight didn't allow us to get stuff manufactured and out to, to the, our customer teams um, quick enough, uh, and then spend enough time getting on top of all the rest of the mounting stuff. You know, the mounting is uh, every team does it differently, so it's hard when you're running a customer program that's probably a bit started with its hand tied behind its back the way we did because of the late delivery of the mould. It's hard to sort of go through everything with all those customer teams, but you now that's all fixed now. Right. Now, back when you started with Gary, back in the 90s... Yes. You'd come off your Formula... Late Ford, 90s. Late 90s, yes. <laughs> and you'd, you'd won your Formula 4 championship, spent a year working on stealths. And, yes. Um, and you had a bigger role within GRM. Do you have that similar sort of role now, or are you just purely there as a driver? My role at GRM when I first started in 1998 was to pick spare parts in the spare Top parts shop department. Man. Yeah, at the dealership. And then I got promoted in the second year to do it, delivering parts. <laughs> so I, I had very basically nothing to do with the race team. I was working in the dealership, and that's... You know, it's historically famous that anyone that work, that starts out at GRM has to work in the business in some way, shape, or form. Um, Beebs is doing that at the moment; has has done that for the last four or five years, and he's still doing that. His first year in the first game in the main game. But no, I don't have to be working full time in the business. But my role is very much as a driver, and um, that enables me to focus on the driving side of things. I obviously, spend a lot of time at the workshop anyway. Yep. With the boys, um, and then yeah, also frees me up for other for other um, activities like the GT racing and, and my Formula Ford stuff and and things like that. So um, yeah, look, it's um, it's a bit of a different setup than what I had last time I was at GM. Now you're working with uh, Richard Holway. Mm -hmm. um, you were with him at HRT. Oh, we worked together. Um, but not directly. He was probably more involved in the overall directing or overall engineering department. Uh, when I did those two races at HRT in 2006, he was involved with those two races and worked with him there. I, I mean, you know, before I worked with Krusty last year, I, I know him very, very well. Yes, uh, and uh, and um, we got on very, very well when he was at HRT before, and we still get on very well now. 
Now, I know drivers' lives are largely involved in success and winning and those things that you want to have. So you can't say that ultimately you're enjoying it because no. you're not having that. But it is enjoyable being back at GRM? It is enjoyable. Um, we would enjoy it even more if we were winning races. And, and look, I feel like that'll come. Um, but um, it depends how you measure yourself um, and, and what you determine a successful weekend. And it's not necessarily being on the top of the timesheets is the mark of a successful weekend. Yeah. Uh, however, that is um, why we go racing, to be on top of the timesheets, whether it's practice, qualifying or racing. So um, that's where we want to be. But um, one thing I have really, really enjoyed being back at GRM is the culture, uh, the lack of politics, and uh, and the real just going just go there to go racing um, and um, and um, make the best of what you've got. Well, wonderful, Garth. Thank you so much. Enjoy your time in the Audi this weekend, and we'll look forward to watching uh, your next sojourn up to Darwin. Cool. Look forward to it. Wonderful. Thank Thanks, you. Mate. The break. We've got a special treat this week. One of the people I've known for twenty years plus, Chris Smurden, who's been a long-time competitor in supercars dating back in fact before they were supercars he drove for four or five years with charlie cox at bathurst competed regularly in the uh in the series as a uh, in the main game uh, before it, well, there was a development series in those days he and john pangilly who've been uh, mates and uh, back in the days of hqs but they're talking to about their time and they've been racing for uh, i think it's maybe 20 years plus uh, Craig, would that be right? I it was a, it was a very long time together, and it's a fascinating chap with these uh, you know two great mates and two races. So after the break, we'll be with Chris Murden and John Pengilly. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Beat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian title since we've been back, and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. We're joined today by one of the teams that is competing here. And in fact, they're a bit of a celebration because it was in 1992, a, a first race for Chris Murden. He's here with his good motor racing friend, John Pengilly. And I've known these guys since the early 90s when they were competing in what became supercars it was just the australian touring car championship so welcome on board to john pengelly thank you and chris murden thank you tony a pair of adelaide lads who uh yet again have ventured across the border and they're here racing what is an ex-stone brothers car which you've owned since uh 2015 so uh, i've got a collection of stone brothers cars even though i was always good friends with larry and i i Yep. purchased many cars from Larry over the years when Larry made a decision to exit um, I was racing Utes at the time and uh, Utes became a very serious category where you had to attend every round if you didn't show up I think they were fining you at the time and that wasn't the sort of racing that Chris Merton liked doing <laughs> so uh, I, I sold the Ute and found uh, one of the old SBR cars it was uh, AU6 one of the Havilene cars which I purchased and ran really in club meetings back then and 
I think the AMRS series because there was no category for us to really run those cars in. So yeah, since then a, a collection of cars. And John Pengilly became involved with Chris when he virtually sponsored Chris in getting him into an HQ. Yeah, that's right. Chris was um, sponsoring my HQ, which made life a lot easier for me. And uh, um, we had a sponsor's day coming up at Mullala, and uh, Chris was a bit of a petrol head, so I thought, well, he better have a drive. And he had a drive, and this is the creation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you made the monster. Yeah, I, yeah, I caught, the monster, yeah. caught the disease from John. Yeah. And then, um, well, Chris is getting rather excited, so um, we shot over to Bathurst and had a look at a... Um, uh, well, at the time it was still old, an old uh, VL Sports sedan uh, that, that we bought out of Bathurst and brought back. Uh, that followed by an ex Allen Grice car. Yeah. Um, yeah an old, sort of old uh, Group A car that we purchased. Yeah, which might have been a VK, I think, from yeah, memory. It was a VK. Right. And uh, sort of spent money with Kana Engineering and getting the thing up to speed and doing what Chris does. And um, wanting to go one better. Um, we ended up going to uh, Canberra where Bill O'Brien was residing and uh, Bill had the Everlast via Walkinshaw there so um, waltzed over there uh, quite plainly with the check yep. and uh, drove back with the race team wow. yeah. right. and uh, hence our first race 1992 which is where we are today yeah indeed and of course um, competed in the Shell Touring Car Championship for about 5-6 years something yeah. like that um, which is when I first really got to know them was with a certain uh, BBC commentator called Charlie Cox. Oh, yes. And um, it was sponsored by a coffee company, and I can't remember the brand of coffee it was. <laughs> Victoria, I think, Victoria, Victoria yeah, Coffee, yeah. yeah. Magnificent coffee. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, and Charlie was a, a man with uh, plenty of opinions and wanted to tell you about him. Um, you, you had a pretty good race, but there were a couple of things that happened along the way. Yeah. But you had a number of good Bathurst runs. We did. We uh, started with Cameron McConville, actually, in the, the first run, and uh, Cameron and I were only talking about it today. He actually said he met someone who uh, knew me, and he pulled out this Arthur Anderson sort of uh, sponsored car from many years ago. And uh, Arthur Anderson, who, who you know, one of the big four, or were one of the big four accounting firms, were our major sponsor. And look, Cameron did a great job. He qualified the car, and I was learning from Cameron. I was the old guy learning from the young guy. Yeah. But uh, it was a good result. I think we came either 12th or 13th, 12th or 13th yeah. back then. Yeah. So first Bathurst, uh, it was a lot of fun. And then I did one with Kevin Weeks and Adam Dave, Kaplan. Adam Kaplan, thank you. Yeah, yeah which was uh, well, it was a good run as well. We didn't do too badly. And then I had a run with Charlie. I think three or four years in a row. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. look, we always qualified okay, but we we ended up having the same drama with the car sort of three years on, in, a, in a row where we had tail shafts fail and anyway, it was one of those depressing days where you sort of ran to about lap 130 and then you could smell this horrible oily you know, stench of uh, dip oil burning and you know, that was the start of the trouble, so we didn't finish. Indeed, and, and in fact um, both John and uh, Chris feature strongly in sort of almost Adelaide royalty of motoring, motor racing because John currently works and has done for a number of years for the body that puts on the Clipsaw, what now is just the Adelaide 500 and probably be rebranded very soon, you yes. know, there'll be a sponsor really? all that. And Chris for many years is on the board yeah. of the South Australian Motorsport. So, um, yeah. yeah, lucky break, uh, Tony. So, years ago when I made a decision in 2000 to exit V8 supercars because look it was beyond the budget that I had to run and um, 
I'd purchased some other property at the time and I was pretty stretched and I thought, no, something's got to give, so motor racing was the one that gave. And then I met uh, the chairman of the Clipsal 500 at the time, uh, Roger Cook, and Andrew Daniels, the CEO, and look, they were looking for someone with some motor racing experience to join the board and I, I met with them, they offered me uh, the role as a director and uh, I joined the board and had many years of fun there with uh, Roger and Andrew and a number of the other CEOs and chairs along the way. So the great, it was great. The great thing was, you might have been having fun, but you were putting on a fantastic event. Yeah, we look back and um, I think as you said, 14, I, I was there I think 14 years and look, consistently great numbers throughout that period of time but we were also I think going through the highs of motor racing as you know and things have changed a little bit but it's a great event and it was more than just a race it was just that full event with There's one thing which I keep on reiterating and, and, and I've written about it in magazines is that most of Australia doesn't know the job South Australia and Adelaide did in teaching Formula One how to go motor racing a standard set in 1985 that taught the rest of the world how you should do it. Eccleston came and was marvelled at the way in which it was done. And the great thing was, and you won, I don't know how many times, the Formula One race of the year. Then when it became the Adelaide 500 or Clipsville 500, you then won multiple times great. the event of the year because you also then taught supercars how to put on a great event. And, of course, for 300,000 or the best part of the number of people, that go each year to it, it is an amazing event. Yeah, look, you're right. And I think it was probably all that experience around Formula One. You know, we were forced at the time to put on a, you know, a world-class event. I wasn't on the board at the time, but a lot of the people that I worked with when I did join the board had been involved in that Formula One event. And you're right, it, uh, it was something that V8 supercars looked at and you had the whole government behind it at the time. And if you remember back, it, it actually gave... Tony Cochran the opportunity to go and negotiate with uh, you know, the, all the other state governments to put on either a street race or a well-funded race uh, at an existing circuit. And, and the uh, play at night uh, with vans, yeah. which was an Adelaide thing that was set up and it was fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well let's leave that and go back to the motor racing part of it. So you've been competing for over 20 years in V8s, um, mostly Commodores, but Fords in the last few years. Yeah. Um, Competing now, obviously, there, there are a lot of young kids around, mm -hmm. um, some of whom are as young as 15. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, it, it still obviously gives you great enjoyment. Oh, look, it's, uh, I think it's a disease. John uh, talked about that sponsor's day. Well, I caught the disease from John, and I've actually never been able to sort of get rid of it. It's, it's a shot in the arm that you need. Yeah, look, there's no pill for the cure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Motor racing's... Look, I, I just find it one of the most exhilarating... Uh, sports I, I love I, I'm a very keen trekker and mountain climber and what's that not serious mountains not snow-capped mountains but I love pushing myself hard and I think motor racing is just one of those things you drive yourself look the results are mixed sometimes great sometimes not so good but it forces you to sort of you know think back at what you might have done wrong and you know you can always do better and you push on and I find I get back to work after a motor racing weekend and yeah, I'm on an absolute high for the next four or five days. Yeah, okay. Push on through work. John, you're, you're under a lot less pressure now in terms of you know looking after preparing a car because it's not you know a touring car championship and you're not competing against blokes spending millions. But there are a bunch of people there who are trying to win this race as much as you are. It still gives you the great enjoyment, and you know you spend your nights during the week going over and preparing the car. 
No, I don't have to do too much at all at the moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a different story. Well, then, well, it is because um, look, we ran, or we, Chris and uh, myself and a few others, sort of um, ran our own team out of Adelaide and ran it for many, many years. And we had an absolute blast doing that. And then um, Chris got the new car, um, the, the FG, and uh, he opted to go with Matt Stone. So oh, uh, right. Matt Stone does all the running. He houses the car. He looks after the car, maintains the car. And they are doing a great job. Yep. So um, for the way that Chris is motor racing at the moment, it's very easy. It's cost effective. And um, and you're a fly-in. And I'm a f- fly-in. Um, I'm... I think I'm Chris's therapist now. <laughs> <laughs> so I do the mechanics of the brain, not so much the mechanics of the car. Yeah. But, um, but no, look, we still get an absolute uh, thrill out of doing this. Yeah. And against the young kids, sometimes we beat them, quite often they cane us. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but gee, it's great seeing those guys grow up to them. And you're obviously involved in motor racing in a very different aspect to how you started out. But it's at the top end of it in terms of organising and making sure that things happen on track, on time, at the pl- where they're supposed to. Yeah, well, it's um, again we've been just been doing it so long that it's uh, it's a pretty easy process for us. It's um, second nature yeah, almost, sec- but yeah, yeah, like, refinement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing jumps up and surprises us. So. In your job with with the Adelaide Five Hundred, yep. Um, you know, you've been mentored by Jeff Matner, mm-hmm. who's still involved to a little degree. Oh, no, he, he's largely he's involved. Largely involved. <laughs> no, well, no, Jeff. Many things Jeff's, about Jeff are large, you're right. Yeah, look, Jeff is one of those guys that uh, is just an evergreen. He yeah. just keeps going and going and going, and um, uh, he does a fantastic job. Yes. Um, but yeah, look, um, I still do a lot with um, not so much the motorsport side, that's real, still Jeff's baby, but I do a lot with the uh, other events inside the event. So all those little motor shows you see around and drags on track and all sorts of things. Um, right. I do lots of that. And Chris, you're involved in technology and Vectra Corporation. Yeah, so Tony, been involved in technology since my early 20s. Uh, Vectra Corporation is the third business I've had since I was 20. And uh, it's, a, it's a business we focus around managing risk around credit card transactions, banking transactions, etc., we uh, work in an area that's called PCI, payment card industry, uh, data security. Oh, okay. And so it's quite an exciting it's area. It's topical as well. It is, yes. yeah. So we're in the right space at the right time, and uh, we've got a great mix of clients, you know, banks, large retailers, any organisation handling large numbers of transactions dealing with consumers. Okay. Dealing in the other reason you're here, what's this car like compared to, say, when you first got into a VL, a Walkinshaw VL, VK? Well, it's a sad thing to tell you this, but we pull the timesheets out occasionally. And 20 years ago, the cars were almost as fast, <laughs> you know, within a second. And yeah, uh, I'm right. sure it was uh, those Bridgestones and uh, yeah. Yokohamas and, you know, special Dunlots Sticky that stuff, Russell yeah. always mm. had for everyone or for his uh, Level 1 teams then. In terms but, of enjoyment you know, to race, though? No, look, it is. The car that I'm driving now, it, look, it's, it's very smooth. It's a nice, wide car. Who, so car was that? I think Alex Davidson. Alex Davidson, then Holdsworth's car. Lee Holdsworth. Right. Yep. So it's in its original livery now. It ran as the Irwin Tools car yep. with SVR. But uh, look, they're fantastic to drive. Beautiful gearbox, sequential boxes now. You know, you've got a much wider chassis, so uh, you know, they're much more stable you know, entering, yeah. mid-corner, exit. So they're you know, a very exciting car. Power-wise, though, yeah, it's been pretty controlled for the last few years. Yes. But... Um, Look, just a smoother, more pleasant, more enjoyable car. And 
every car's just that little bit better than the last. They're not leaps and bounds ahead, but just that little bit nicer to drive. The Kumo series provides you the right place to play. Look, it, it, it does, Tony. I think the, uh, as you can see, there's quite a mix of cars at these events, some of the older heritage cars, you know, right up to current spec vehicles. And, you know, you can, anybody who has a vehicle that fits the category can come out. So, yeah, to your point, it's, it's for Chris Smurden, it's perfect. I mean, as John said earlier, yeah, look, I come here with the intention of doing well. I'm trying to be out the front, but um, it doesn't matter. You know, there are plenty of other people to race with throughout the category so it's always a good fun weekend and after the break we'll have our final thoughts for this week's inside supercars with tony whitlock and craig Ravel. each week join the inside motorsport team as they look at all the news from across australia and around the world and you know every every year i see jackie stewart grand prix and i just remind myself of of his part in in starting the, the path to safer cars Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Welcome back. Next week we'll have the second part of the interview with John Pangilly and Chris Smurden talking about their time together in supercars and and before... This week, though, reflecting on interesting news around the supercars. Um, It's great to see that uh, there's been some early news about uh, crash updates for the Queensland Raceway. I think they're going to be starting work on that soon. But more to the point, looking beyond this year. Now, we've already seen with Gen 2 hasn't quite happened because the Holden pulled the the pin or maybe just uh, have stalled or on the use, the development of the V6 engine, turbocharged engine. Um, so we haven't seen Gen 2 sort of really take off to the degree it has. And now they're starting to have conversations about Gen 3. Interesting uh, idea there, Craig. Yeah, Sean Seymour came out last week and started to talk about potentially using hybrid power plants in the series. I'm... I'm interested for your thoughts on racing because uh, it's it's moving towards that Jetsons future that uh, you uh, certainly you baby boomers grew up with. <laughs> yes, yes, the Jetsons. Yes, indeed. There was actually an episode of um, the Flintstones made where the Jetsons met the Flintstones, so that would have been interesting in itself. But <laughs> sounds um, like some of the idea... uh, lanes that we've been in, Tony. You've got some. High yeah. thinkers out there, and then you got the down and, uh, you know, the very basic racing. Knuckle draggers. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> all, all in the one, and sometimes in the one garage. Indeed. Um, look, it certainly uh, adds food for thought. I mean, it's they're very complex cars. I mean, you've only got to look at what happens in Formula One and obviously Formula E. Um <laughs> You know, if it comes, um, you know, it's not going to be tomorrow or next week or next year. It's a number of years away. So certainly, you know, there'll be developments that will mean that that technology will be far more available, accessible and understandable. Um, So I I suppose, you know, you have to keep an open mind about it. It's where Australian crowds, they, they sort of cracked up when they said, oh, we don't want to hear V6 turbos and four cylinder turbos, things like that. We just want V8s. Now, gosh, how would they feel about the hybrids? 
it's one of those things that do what do we think a manufacturer is in supercars now because if a manufacturer is a sponsor then it doesn't matter what the car is if the manufacturer is trying to use it as a marketing tool then the words relevance to the road car have some relevance to what you're doing and i think this is one of the problems that supercars are grappling with and Perhaps that's some of what we're seeing in the super utes where they've got a vehicle that's got market relevance and in some cases we've got manufacturers that want those vehicles racing on the track. We don't see that really in the main supercar game. But would saying you can have a hybrid car out there make supercar racing more relevant to the manufacturers? Right now, no. Right now, it, it's not. In the future, very much could be. But where technology is going, and I, I remember having a chat with um, uh, Richard Emery from Nissan. I uh, don't know if it was last year or the year before. And he was, he was of the opinion that hybrid cars and electric cars are a piece of the puzzle. Driverless cars are the real future. And I'm not sure you've been offline for a little while, but there was a video going around um, last week that a number of the supercar drivers and Scafi and, and a few others made comment on where you had driverless racing cars and the AI was running them around the track. That is probably oh, the uh, that is probably where market relevance and relevance to the industry is going to be come 25, 2025 I'm talking about, and and 2030. Yeah. Well, we, we know for certain that Tesla is not going to go racing. You know, that their, their technology is that they keep for road cars and they're not going to be coming across either race here or overseas. Certainly, the similar style of technology with batteries is used in Formula E. I mean, one of the things they do, of course, is they don't change, uh, refuel their cars by changing batteries, they change cars which seems to me a very extravagant way of doing it, um, having a, another set of cars there to, to get into. Um, well, you know, that, could that be something that would happen in our series? I don't know. But, you know, when we're talking about 200K plus races uh, as a minimum, it would seem unlikely that uh, um, changing batteries is a feasible thing to be doing. Yeah, it, it's. I guess... It's how do you set your crystal ball? Where do you set your goals? And what Sean Seymour's done by saying hybrid is part of the Gen 3 mix, he's once again saying it is an open book. If someone wants to come to us with, a, with an idea, it's not going to be a closed shop. Do you remember, Tony, about... Oh, it's got to be 15 years ago when Mitsubishi were moving off the Magna platform into the what became their last locally built platform, the three, uh, was it 380? 380. And they were desperate to come. They wanted to use supercars as the platform. And if history serves my memory correct, Tony told them to take a jump because it wasn't a V8 and it wasn't rear-wheel drive. Now, you have to ask the question, were Mitsubishi able to come in and put their car on the track with a rear-wheel drive V8 what what would have been the future for the Mitsubishi 380? 
it, yeah. it's a it's an academic yeah. argument, of course. But would that have saved potentially one manufacturer, or would have prolonged their future? Because the problem was the Magna had such a bad reputation, and that reputation rubbed off on the next model. Yeah. Yes, it's certainly interesting, interesting to uh, conjecture as to what may have been. But uh, anyway, that's something certainly that uh, it's good to know that the Commission and the Board of Supercars are looking into because clearly it's something that has to be considered for the future of uh, the sport that uh, we all love and follow. Mm. And if nothing um, so else, Tony, it got the, them uh, some column inches in a off week. And that's not a bad yeah. thing either. Yeah, yeah. Um, so next uh, on the agenda for the current schedule, of course, is uh, Hidden Valley. And it's another of the tracks that uh, both Scotty McLaughlin and DJR Team Penske have done well at, as have Triple Eight in years past. But uh, going on the current form after a, a, uh, a slide off weekend uh, where at least uh, uh, Fabian kept the flag flying high and Scotty. Uh, had a couple of big lessons uh, learnt uh, from a weekend where he didn't get off the line well. Still qualifying well, and clearly leads the uh, the qualifying race this year. So uh, it'll be an interesting build-up. Uh, we've got another week before the teams leave for the uh, uh, the Northern Territory, but uh, they'll now be going back to their workshops uh, yesterday in Queensland and today in Victoria to. Uh, do their final shake downs, set downs from the test days to see uh, what they did learn and see what changes will be coming to the cars before they head north for the uh, the summer sun. Indeed, and uh, well, it should be it should be an interesting time of the season, as I as I mentioned at the uh, top of the show. Yeah, indeed, indeed, it will. All right, well, from Inside Supercars, we hope you enjoyed listening to those interviews today and we'll uh, keep you informed and get ready for next week's show. So it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.